on the um, up on the hill at the Condon's place, and it is it is winter wonderland up there. It's it's beautiful. It's um, it's it's cold and snowy, and um, it's been great having. Uh, I picked up Kelly and Zoe from the train station in Tacoma yesterday. Um, drove back, and I'd forgotten how how noisy our little family can be um, all together, and how quiet it is up there. <laughs> without anybody up there. So it, it was good. There's some good things that happened in, in spending time alone with the Lord and, and um, getting prepared uh, for some things for our future. Um, just kind of more preparing my heart um, to be preaching on a regular basis. Um, I already had my head space to be able to do worship on a regular basis, and that, that you know, done that for a number of years. But, but to preach on a regular basis, um, just spending the time with the Lord and and asking him for inspiration, and um, kind of have some some plans for the year, actually. So um, went a little quicker than I thought, um, but our main plan is we're going to be going through Philippians um, from now until Palm Sunday. Um, really excited for that, um, and it, it is a seven-week series, um, so that puts us right up at Palm Sunday, Easter. We're going to be talking about joy, and then we're just going to keep going after that. Um, our, our series, this, this series we're going to do is, is entitled New Beginnings, Discovering Our Impact. Um, I believe that, that Philippians is a great place to start. It's a, it's a great, uh, great set of four chapters uh, that really gives us a good starting place in our relationship together. Um, my family wants to thank you. Um, I know uh, Kelly and I and and Zoe are, are very thankful for a church home to come to. We're very thankful for the welcome that I've been getting. Um, I know that um, my family's going to get. Um, and I know that some are concerned that we're, we're in the process of, of moving up here kind of slowly. Um, but it's all going according to plan. I, I, I really feel that God's plan has been to get me up here and get kind of planted a little bit. And then to get my family up. Um, we do have a place um, lined up. Um, as of April, we'll be um, in, a, in a place. Um, so, so that worry is, is off the plate. Um, it's just going through this, this season, and, and we'll be in a place. Um, so very excited. Thank you. Thank you. Um, excited for what God's going to do here um, and beyond. So uh, let's, we're going to spend uh, some time in the first chapter of Philippians, um, and let's just pray for uh, God's revelation, God's revealing of this in our hearts today. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for um, your word. We thank you for the opportunity to dig into your word. And God, we just pray that you would, uh, that you would unwrap this, this gift that you have for us. Unwrap it uh, piece by piece, that we would be able to see the, the joy that, that Paul has, the, the joy that he's suggesting to the Philippians. Um, God, that we could receive that joy as well, that we could see that in our lives. Um, God, I just pray for um, that, that revealing to our hearts um, something new out of your word. Um, we may have read this many, many times, but God, you, you have a way of bringing things around um, in, in a newness that, that we haven't seen before. And I just pray for that as we go forward. In Jesus' name, amen. So I, I love this letter. I, I love the letter from Paul to the Philippians um, because of the fact that it's filled with all of this joy, this encouragement that Paul has. Because, I mean, Paul's not necessarily the most encouraging guy at times, right? A lot of the letters that he has, that he's sending uh, to other churches, he, he's, he's sending kind of correction to them, kind of telling them, hey, this is what you're doing wrong. 
Um, but the Philippian letter is, is about how much joy he has in seeing what they're doing right. Um, it, it's instead of that correction, it's 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 setting them up as an example um, to later churches, to us, of what um, a joyful fellowship is about. Um, just give you a little background. We'll kind of run through this real quickly. Paul is is seen as the author, um, though he does reference a few that are there with him. Um, and I kind of get this picture that he's you know, uh, that he's sitting around and, and in writing this, there's a few that are there with him. Um, and Timothy and Epaphroditus are, are mentioned in this book, um, both of whom are, um, Paul says he's going to send later to the Philippian church. Epaphroditus is, is somebody that came from the Philippian church to, to help Paul um, where he's at, and he got sick, and um, we can find that out a little bit later, but um, he's talking about he's, he's better now, and he's going to send him back as an encouragement to the, the, to the church there. Um, Paul is most likely in prison at this point. Um, there are some that say that maybe not there, but, um, but there's a lot that, that really do reference him as being um, in his final imprisonment in Rome. Um, and that's in Acts 28, if, you, if you're um, wanting to look at that. It's um, where um, it's shortly before his execution. Um, and Paul views this imprisonment as a furthering of the gospel. This, this furthering of the gospel um, is such a positive way of looking at this because um, he's, he, he's most likely got execution hanging over his head, right? And he has just this joy for them and this encouraging attitude. Um, Paul's way of, of viewing difficulties um, in this life can be so encouraging. It can be encouraging for us in how we view our difficulties. How many of us have something that maybe has loomed over our heads? Maybe it's looming over your heads right now. Anybody in the room? Yeah, yeah. And how hard is it to maintain that same kind of uh, positive, encouraging attitude with those difficulties weighing us down? How hard is it? It's pretty hard, right? It's amazing for Paul, who is not necessarily the most popular. He's, he's an apostolic guy. He's one that would just call you on your stuff pretty quick, right? He'd be like, hey, you, you need to stop that. Very blunt. But yet, we see this encouragement in him when one of the heaviest weights that he would be carrying is weighing over him. Kelly and I have this dear friend, kind of a, a mentor in our lives, um, and I, I had met her, um, she's, she was a musician, and she was playing kind of, she was in our church, but she was kind of playing in the community a little bit, and I, I asked her why she wasn't, um, didn't want to be on worship team, um, and found out that she had been a, a worship leader, um, and um, had, had a friend that really kind of crushed her a bit and said, you know, you're, you're too old, you're, you're done, you, you, can't, you can't be on worship team, you're, you know, you're in your 60s, and and you can't, you can't be. And I'm like, what are you talking about? God's not done with you. And then she ended up being one of our worship leaders for, you know, in the rotation. And, um, but her story is kind of filled with a bunch of heartache. Um, you know, she had a, um, not the best of relationships with a, a husband that um, at one point ends up, um, there was an accident that happened with a, a cliffside in Hawaii that um, he was taken and um, people say that they think he, he was just blown right off the, the cliff. Um, 
in all of, the, in all of this and all of um, so many other things that she went through in her life, she's always had this great up attitude. She's bubbly. She's um, kind of say almost hyper. Um, she could actually come into some of the things that we did with young adults and she would wear them out. But she always had this up attitude. And this is kind of the person I think about when I think about Paul at this place when he talks about Philippi. Um, because it, the, she just had this up attitude. It was like I, I wanted to have times when, when I wasn't leading worship, but I was still in town. I wanted her to lead worship because I, I felt like she was just like, she, she had a way of just gathering people around and worshiping God with a, with a joy in their hearts. Um, uh, and if you were to ask her why she had this pa- positive attitude, she would always, 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 always point to the Lord's grace, the grace in her life, and how even in the midst of all of those trials, all of those things happening to her, she, she always felt God's grace. Um, I think she was a little hyper, too. Probably a little. Um, but a little bit more of the background um, this morning. Um, a great deal happened in the city of Philippi. Leading up to um, this letter, um, we see in, in Acts 16, we see Paul, Silas, and Timothy. Um, they had been traveling around Asia, Asia Minor, um, uh, kind of minor, uh, modern Turkey, um, trying to get uh, the gospel out. And they were either um, not being accepted or, or the Lord just didn't seem in it. And there's this point where Paul, in, in Acts 16.9, Paul receives this vision directing him to this man of Macedonia, to, this, this, uh, to go preach in Macedonia. There's this, this faceless man in this vision, basically, that says, come preach to me, right? Come preach to us. And Macedonia being uh, modern Greece, um, now, now this is, modern Greece is kind of important to us um, as believers in the sense that Philippi was the first church um, that was started in what is now modern Europe. It was that, that stepping stone that the church moved into Europe and eventually, way down the line, was part of our salvation, right? So this was that first step. And Paul um, went to, uh, to Macedonia, went to, uh, to Philippi, um, and, and in doing so, he, he comes to a town, um, and there wasn't really a place to, to preach, so he goes outside the town to a group of ladies. Um, one of the ladies was Lydia, um, seller of purple cloth, um, was out there, one of the first converts, along with her household, um, converted to, um, to Christ um, and to the way. And um, she also um, was an example of, of uh, God's uh, move and that prominent role that women played in, in the church from there on. Um, because Lydia is mentioned um, other times, uh, uh, um, and there are other ladies that are mentioned from the Church of Philippi that have been um, these uh, great pillars of the faith in Philippi. Um, there's also uh, this, this fortune-telling um, slave girl. You, you remember the one? You remember, like, um, Paul's walking along, um, and they're, they're going through the town, and this, this, this girl that's possessed by a demon is behind him going, these are the men of the Most High God, and, and just, like, sitting there, I mean, bugging him. And Paul kind of gets just annoyed, and he finally casts out uh, this demon, which I, I always, I, I love how Scripture sometimes has these, these moments of humor um, in the midst of, of some really profound things. But I, I get this this chuckle every time I read this, because I feel like Paul was just, he was mostly just kind of annoyed, and he's like, come out of her, 
Because he was tired of her bugging them when he, they're trying to, to reach people in this town. And um, the demon comes out. The girl no longer is a fortune teller, which her owners get a bit ticked off. They're like, wait a second. We're losing our, our income because she can't do this now and has them arrested. Now, this is a lot. I'm, I'm kind of just blazing through a lot of this, um, this background. But it's so amazing to see all of the things that happen in the same area. Um, so Paul and Silas, they're thrown in prison. This is the same time they're thrown in prison where they're in singing hymns and all the doors open, right? I mean, I, I love worship because it's so, it's so powerful that it can blow open the doors, right? Um, rock and roll, right? Paul, Paul and Silas, they're rocking and rolling back here in the jail. And, and in, comes this, uh, in comes the jailer, and he's about to fall on his sword. And they're like, hey, wait, 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 we're still in here. Don't kill yourself. That'd be, that'd be really bad. And he says, um, you know, he, because of this miracle, he says one of the most profound things in, in, in that section of scripture is that he says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? So all of this stuff is happening in, in Philippi, very powerful things that are happening. And I, I can't help but think that some of that leads to a church that's got such an up attitude that Paul has joy praying for them while he's in prison. Um, with, with all that background, let's, let's, let's take a moment and let's look at the, the first section we're going to look at this morning. And um, I, I am teaching um, from the ESV, which is the English Standard Version. Um, I really, um, I, I've kind of been looking around at different versions. I, I like the NIV, I like the NLT, um, the message for some things. Uh, NASB is what I went through Bible college. But there's all these... Uh, this vegetable soup, uh, or a, you know what I'm talking about, like alphabet soup of um, versions. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to find a word-for-word -word version that we can use as our main text. And we're gonna, I'm, I'm starting with ESV for now. Uh, but we're going to go to Philippians chapter 1, 1 through 11. Um, and we'll start reading there. Uh, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, and the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, my uh, my God, um, in all my remembrance of. Uh, I thank God in. Okay, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my my prayer with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. The first day when he was preaching to the ladies at the. Uh, at the, the riverside, the streamside, um, from the first day till now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For my God, for God is my witness how I yearn for you all the... Uh, all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through um, Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. In, in Paul's greeting, verse 1, we see an emphasis on service. I said it before. Most of the time you see this emphasis on his credentials, an emphasis on his 
apostleship um, because he's, he's coming up um, to that church with correction. So he needs to put himself in a place of authority. Um, and, and, I mean, he doesn't really need to. I mean, he's Paul. But at the time, he was, this is my, the reason why I have that authority to be able to say, you messed up or you need to stop doing this and start doing this. Um, but with, with the Philippians, he comes at a different angle, and he talks about him and Timothy being servants first. Um, and he referenced himself um, in this way, um, I think, to come alongside rather than to come in as an authoritarian. Um, so this morning, um, this brings us to, to Paul's prayer for the church. And this is our main focus. This is like the big idea today. So if, 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 if you have a tendency maybe to tune out more and more as we get closer to lunchtime, this is the one you need to pay attention to, okay? <laughs> hey, I, I do that, lunchtime, you know? Especially with, yeah, anyway. Um, there, th this is the big idea. There is great joy, confidence, and love in being part of what God has done, is doing, and will do in the future. Let me say that again. There is great joy, confidence, and love in being part of what God has done, is doing, and will do in the future. This really speaks to, to the mission of the church. I mean, that, that, the whole idea right there, you could, if you wanted to have one thing that could be the, the rallying cry as a church, it's this, that there's joy and confidence and love in being a part of what God's doing. That's part of that mission, or you hear missiology of the church. Big word to say, this is what we do. Can we agree with that? Yeah? Everybody okay out there? Yeah. Okay. It's a little quiet, so. But it speaks to that mission, and, and, and it speaks to that mission of reconciliation, because we are called to be reconcilers. We're called to um, help God in this, this mission that he has to reconcile his creation, his people to him, and we get to be a part of that. That's the mission that we, we you know what, if, if we're to look at something to be our vision for the future, because I know I get this question a little bit, like, what's your vision? And I keep saying, well, it's all out here. So you tell me, you know, let's, let's kind of come to this together. But if, if we really have something that we can hang our hat on, it is that we are going to be reconcilers to our community. We are going to be reconcilers to our families. We are going to be reconcilers to those around us, our neighbors. And this is what we'll be discovering together as a church, is that mission. Amen? Okay, our first point this morning, um, and I know we don't have slides yet, we're working on that, um, so that you don't have to feverishly write down anything that I'm speaking very feverishly um, through, but our first point is this, um, just something to kind of connect some of this together. Our first point is, our joy comes from connection. Our joy comes from connection. Now, the very the very obvious connection, the connection that we all are going, okay, yeah, that's obvious, you know, connection with God, connection with Jesus. That is that most obvious connection, the God of all the universe, the God that came to earth as a child and lived a sinless life and then went to the cross to die on our behalf. That's a connection that we can find joy in, can we? But Paul's prayer, we also see that he is, 
He has this joy as he prays and in remembering the church at Philippi. Um, you know, we didn't have like FaceTime back then. He couldn't sit there and, and you know, say, hi guys, how you doing? I'm, I'm here in, in Rome and in, in, in prison. How you doing? You know, it wasn't that. He had to remember what he'd already seen. He had to remember, and he probably was getting, uh, I mean, we don't have any letters from the Philippians to, to Paul, but I'm sure that there was some sort of connection or word of mouth um, with Epaphroditus coming. He probably got some, some word about, you know, this is how we're doing. This is what's happening there. This is, you know, what, you know, uh, Lydia's doing, and you know, so he's getting those kind of things, and and in his prayer, he remembers them, and he prays with joy because of their partnership, and and now that's, you know, the partnership is is they're financially supporting him, yes, but they're also supporting him in prayer. They're supporting the the mission that he is on, in in what God is using him to stir up and start this church, uh, to the. Uh, uh, Gentiles to us, right? He, he's he's being a part of. Uh, they're being a part of that, and that joy that he has found in how they're defending and and um, agreeing with or or speaking out the gospel. He has a connection to them. This is another connection where we find joy. A connection to that church, a connection to other believers, is a is a connection that we find joy. Now, this is, um, isn't it great to have friends around us that, that agree with us, that maybe pray for us? Uh, maybe they're friends that are here. Maybe they're friends that are, that are abroad, um, friends from, that used, we used to live around. Maybe they live someplace else. But you get together from time to time, and you remember the things that you've done together. You remember the things that, that really kind of stir up some stuff in you uh, from the past, and isn't there a joy in that? Isn't there an ease with people that it almost takes you to that place where, um, have you ever had a friend that it almost seems like you just, you just pick up where you left off? It can be like 15 years, and, they, and you feel like, wow, I just, I just love being around you. That's one of those other connections that we have. I, I had a friend that I worked with um, at another church, and he was a children's pastor, and, and I was a worship pastor, and um, we were both associates. We didn't, uh, uh, we, we worked together for, for a number of years, but it's been a while since we've worked together. But, but he's been somebody that he would call me when he's struggling with something or working on something or, or frustrated with something. And we would just talk on the phone and, and I'd do the same. And, and in the midst of this, this transition, he's been actually a real key uh, voice in my life. He'd call and see how I'm doing, see what he could be praying for. Um, even though he had gone through the church he was at, um, the, uh, there was a, a moral failing. Um, the staff was decimated. There was a staff of about 10 people, and it got down to a, uh, a new senior pastor and him. But he kept going through. It was one of those things where, you know, that was one of those times calling him and talking to him where, you know, um, just just not sure what God was doing, but but still knew that he was supposed to be serving and and then he calls, he's calling and talking with me when we're in the midst of this waiting and saying, man, you're doing a great job. Keep waiting. And, you know, the, the Lord's got something for you. And, and right now, he's now talking about the possibility of going out as a senior pastor as well. And I, I feel like I'm going to get to return the favor, you know, be able to talk with him and be the one that just, just listening to, to what he's, he's walking through. And um, those are those kind of friendships that those connections that help support you in your faith journey. 
Um, you know, when you have a friend uh, or an acquaintance that you get around that you feel a weight when you're around them. You know, maybe they, maybe they complain a lot. Maybe they, they do less listening and more just telling you all the things that they struggle with. And not like you say, well, I'm struggling with this. And then they fill in like a, a whole like couple sheets of, of the things they're struggling with. And it, it's not a back and forth kind of relationship. You know what I'm talking about? It's not building you up in your relationship with the Lord. It's not, it, it might be one of those relationships where it's it maybe a little more toxic. That's not the relationships I'm talking about. These, these are relationships that build you up in the faith, build you up in who you are and who they are um, to the point where you could have five years go by and then you call them and it's like nothing ever happened. You know, it's like you get together, have coffee, and you, you still go forward. Do you have con- connections that support you in your faith journey? Do you have connections outside of just the church here as well? And those are those relationships that encourage you, support you, help shape you. Also, are you that for someone else? This is um, kind of the model for mentoring relationships. You know, you have somebody that's mentoring you, somebody you're mentoring. But it's also a great model for friendships because the mentoring role can reverse so many times and be such a good thing. But you have to be pouring out and you have to be poured into So if you're not having one of those, then look around. Look around at the people around you and see if there's somebody that you either can pour into or somebody that can pour into you. If you're not pouring into somebody, that might be a great thing for the church because there may be somebody that you know that's not in the church that you could be pouring into and even saying, hey, come to church with me. Come hang out. Because that's that's probably the number one way that a church is going to grow is the people that you know coming to a place where they they hear from you, they love you, they know you, and suddenly they're like, I love this Jesus that you talk about. And you see them get to that place where maybe they are starting to pour back into you as well. The thing about connection to Jesus and our connection to other believers is it's not an either or. You can't have an either or. It's a both and. We need to be both. um, We need both And both are a a part of this joy that Paul is talking about. In verse 5, we see that that this partnership is what gives him joy in praying for the Philippians, um, the original word koinonia, that that koinonia, um, that that connection, that partnership is is koinonia, which is fellowship, which my favorite um, verse about fellowship, my favorite section of scripture about fellowship, and you probably know what I'm going to say here is Acts 2.42. Acts 2.42, talking about fellowship. This is like the greatest model because it's like you can go through that, and if those things are happening, you have fellowship. It's great. Um, And there's so many great positive things to it. You've got, um, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. Now, breaking of bread... That is both communion and getting together and eating together, right? Can we say that? Because whenever you break bread together, if you put food in front of young people, you hear everything in their lives. Amen? Actually, you put food in front of anybody and you hear everything about their lives too. It doesn't need to be young people. They just usually don't have a lot of food. You know, young adults, college-age kids, they're eating ramen, 
maybe pancakes or something. You throw a home-cooked meal in front of them and they'll, they'll, they'll come. <laughs> but uh, breaking of bread and prayers, the awe came on every, upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as um, any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. See, breaking bread again. Um, in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those that were being saved. Fellowship has the power to break down walls. It has the power to connect people. People that are believers, yes, but even more so, it's, it's got the power to break down walls between us and them out there, right? The people that are not inside of a church the people that need to be inside of a church. Now, I say that. I'm not, I'm not trying to say, you know, you know, I'm not going to go out and tell someone, oh, you need to be in a church. But there's a sense where I need to be in a church. Don't you? That, that connection that we find, the connection with the Lord, yes. The connection with one another, yes. There's a mission that we can be on together. There is, a, uh, there is that, that possibility of seeing people's lives changed around us because of us being planted and connected with a living God. All of this is found in a healthy fellowship. And what we see in the church of Philippi is this healthy fellowship. And that healthy fellowship is what, what Paul found so joyful in praying for them. Because they were healthy. They had a healthy outlook about connection. As believers, our faith and hope are in the promises of God, and that's foundational. And in verse 6, he references this work in us. It's the work in the Philippians, but we can take that promise as our own as well, because he who, says, I am sure of this, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And in this, we have confidence in what the Lord is doing. We have a confidence because, because we know that whatever he started in us is not finished until the day of the Lord. So is, is Jesus here? But is he physically returned again? Is he, is he returned again yet? Is he done with us yet? Okay. So is there still a mission that you have? Each of you. He is not done with us. My friend Phyllis thought that she was done with worship. The thing that was the biggest in her heart, she wrote songs, she was passionate about singing, and she had a friend that was just a little bit misspoke. Good friend, but misspoke in saying that, you know what, nobody's going to have you up there leading because you're too old. Anybody says that to you, say, get behind me, Satan. Can we just practice that? Get behind me, Satan. Oh, one more time. Get behind me, Satan. You need to practice that because God is not done with us. If you still have passion in your heart for the Lord, then you still have passion in your heart for the mission that he has you on. If you still have passion in your heart, you still have a passion for the lost. You should still have a passion for people that don't know him. And this community is full of people that don't know him. And we need to go get them. 
and not just like, you know, drag them under our arm kind of thing. Maybe, and there's some people, I, I mean, I might have been one of those when I was younger, but we won't talk about that. But there's a sense of bringing them along or going to them and being where they are. God is not done with us. Our second point is this. Um, our confidence comes with God's commitment. Our confidence comes with God's commitment. Um, think about it. God's prom- God, God promised um, Abraham that he would be the father of many nations before he even had a child. And at an age where he really shouldn't have children. How excited do you think you would be <laughs> to be told that you're going to be having kids? <laughs> but that's what happened. Abraham's faith must have been tested, had to have been shaped and grown in this time period of waiting that he had to go through. Think about Moses. He showed this passion to, um, for his people, a passion so much that he defended somebody even to the point of killing somebody to save him. And that was part of the reason why he ran. He ran from, from Egypt and out into the desert. He was 40. But he saw that he had a, had a glimpse of that vision that God had for him to defend his people. And it wasn't until 40 years later. He's 80. And God, in all of this, God's promises um, serve as a commitment to us. All of these, these promises that we read about, they serve as a commitment to us as well. They may not be the same promises, but God, God's commitment to us is no less trustworthy. Now, that commitment is not visible. It's not written out. It's not a billboard kind of commitment. Yet, it is still trustworthy. You know, we all just came through a season, not necessarily together, but at the same time. For Kelly, Zoe, and I, we were in a season of waiting for where God was going to send us. We were in a season, uh, in that season of waiting, we were, we were going through um, things in our own lives. We were, we were letting go of certain things so that we could pick up something new. Um, and there's, I mean, how many, how many know that it takes a little while for us to let go of the things that, that God's asking us to let go of, right? We, we kind of have a tendency to go, but, but I like this. I like this thing. And you lay it down, and you're like, oh, but, but it's, it, it's so cool. You know, you pick it back up. I had a pastor that would tell us this story about how, how um, um, we're like children with a, with a broken wagon. And we take that broken wagon um, to the Lord, and we set it before him to fix it. And we pick it back up right after. We go, can you fix this? We go over in our corner and be like, why didn't you fix it? And he's like, just come over and set it down. And we've got to be able to set it down. We feel like he's not fixing it right away, but, but we still got to set that thing down and step away and wait. Waiting is difficult, isn't it? But we went through this waiting period. But we, we were holding on to God's promise to us that there is a direction, a purpose, and a hope for us. So we kept waiting. Foothills as a church went through a little bit of waiting. 
And I think in some respects, the waiting needed to be as long as it was because there is a time of grieving, a time of laying down some things from the past, but really there was some grieving that needed to go on, some getting excited for what, what the possibilities of what God has for the future. Yes? Because sometimes we can get caught into patterns in our lives. This is how we do things, right? And you do those things for a while, and then suddenly God shakes our tree, and those patterns are shaken, those patterns are are broken, and we have to kind of say, okay, God, what do you have for us? So in a sense, we all went through the waiting process together and apart, but together. And we're very excited um, to be here. Um, I'm very excited at the fact that we have a hope that we can share. There's a joy that we can share. And going forward, there, there is definitely a passion, a vision, and a direction that is already here in our midst. We may not know exactly what that looks like, but I think as we talk and as we, we chew on the things of the Lord, I think we'll get to a place where we're, gonna, we're all going to be like yes and amen to the direction that he has all of us on. Amen. Yeah, amen. You know, there's, there seems to be a theme for the walkers. We ha- have this waiting theme <laughs> in our lives. Because we've, you know, I, I, I realize part of it is because um, uh, I have a hard time waiting for things. <laughs> I... Uh, I was this kid that when, when I love Christmas. Christmas, you'll find that like for me, Christmas is like um, I, I love Easter because of what it means to my my faith and and Jesus, what He did for us. But Christmas, I love the songs, I love the time of year, um, the fact that there's a lot of snow that actually adds to the whole Christmas time for me. But as a kid, I would get myself sick, like I would get so worked up that I would either make myself almost flu-like, or I would, I would break down everything so much that I would get like the flu or strep throat or whatever, I would get sick every Christmas. And it's because I just have a hard time waiting. And, and you, okay, how many know that um, people say, like, don't pray for patience, because you'll get the opportunity for patience, <laughs> right? Well, for me, it was, don't pray for waiting. I, I, well, that's patience, too, but... But I would get to that place where, um, I, I mean, I, I'm realizing that God's put us in a lot of positions to wait. You know, um, we, we had a long engagement. It's the reason why if, I, if, if I'm doing premarital counseling and I, um, with a young couple, and they're like, well, I don't know, maybe we'll do a long engagement. We're like, nope, nope. <laughs> Longest a year, you can still do a wedding in six months. So somewhere in there is good. A year and a half, mm-mm. We did that. It was a long wait. It was a good wait. Um, we, there's been waiting for school. There's been waiting for, um, you know, we, we talked about waiting for Zoe, 13 years, um, waiting for her, doing various tests, doing various um, adoption and foster classes. Um, we did a lot of waiting in that. And I think we've been getting better at it. I think uh, being able to to first lean on the Lord has been the thing that has made it so I don't get myself sick <laughs> um, and so that we can wait. And, you know, my encouragement in that is um, <clears throat> the waiting that we've had and the waiting that you've had 
in your life has been for a purpose. It has been for a purpose both in you and maybe for those around you. It can be for a whole church. It can be for a whole community. But that waiting has purpose. Um, there have been times where our personal um, vision and heart for ministry have not lined up with where God has placed us. This is something for the walkers. Um, there are times we, we kind of joke about how like um, we would we would have something in our heart that we're like, oh, we're going to start this ministry or, or something that we were, we're thinking vision-wise. And instead of just waiting on that and stewing on that, we were trying to maybe have that happen. Um, and it, would just, it just wouldn't work. This is kind of like Paul and, 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 and Timothy and Silas, how they were, they were going around um, and trying to speak the word, but they just weren't being accepted. And it didn't seem like the Lord was in it, Right? For us, we were trying to do this vision that really wasn't for where we were. Because what happened was, was we found that when we moved to the next place, that next stage in life, it was already happening. God was preparing our hearts to be where we were going. And so sometimes, um, this, is, this is the reason why I say, you know, we've got to take time and find out what the vision is and the vision for who we are, is I don't, I don't want to get out of step with the Lord. I, wanna, I don't want to get out of step with what he's already been doing, is doing now, and is going to do in the future, okay? Um, this, is, this is our hope in him. This is the hope that we have. Um, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, uh, it speaks to this and says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. We have a hope as a church of where, um, maybe not where we're going, but we have a hope that we know we're going somewhere. We know that we're going to impact this community in some way. And this is why we're talking through Philippians, is to find that impact. What is that impact for us? We have a confidence that, that God is working things out in us, and he is not done with us, and he will bring what he started in us to completion for his glory and his name. Our third point, this is our final point for today, um, is our love is expressed through wise action. Our love is expressed through uh, wise action. When, when expressing the greatest of commandments, Jesus tells a story of the Good Samaritan um, and how the seeming stranger, an enemy of sorts to the people of Israel, could go out of his way to help a stranger in a very practical sense, to love this stranger into health and wholeness. <clears throat> love is action. Love is action. Paul, in sending this letter to the Philippians, is not just sending them a love letter. But he's, he's rather he's sending a, a bit of himself, a bit of love of himself to them. Um, he shares his love of their, their concern for his welfare because they're concerned for him. And, he, and he, he says that. He says how he's concerned, that concern, he loves that about them and how they continue to share the gospel. He encourages them to continue in Christ and he prays that their love would increase and that it would be a wise kind of love. And what is a wise kind of love? I mean, we, we know what a wise guy is, right? But... But like, wise love, what is that all about? 
But well, Paul states it in, in what he's saying. He's, in, in what he's saying here that, that he knows that it's, it's it, whatever is right and true um, and that to be filled with, with the fruit of righteousness if our love is growing in discernment and wisdom. So discernment and wisdom should, should help us to find our expressions of love to those in our community. So there's a wise, discerning way of looking at how can we love our community efficiently, or, um, love them effectively, love them where they need to be loved. Because, I mean, how, how many, th- I mean, like if you go into a community that, that, that there's the physical need of, uh, that physical need of hunger, and you go in with water bottles, we love you. Is that, is that being wise in our love? I mean, it's, it's still loving them. Right? But is there, is there maybe a, a wisdom in how we approach our community that matters and can effectively impact their lives for the practical so that in the spiritual they're open to hear from the Lord? Love is, is where our mission must begin. Not law, not rules, not self-righteousness. How many know that self-righteousness can creep into our lives when we follow the Lord? It's not because of following the Lord, but as we get to that place where maybe we forget about what He has done for us, sometimes we get to that self-righteous place. You, you guys remember the example of the self-righteous, right? The best example that I can think of is that, that the guy that was beating on his chest and, you know, or, or praying to God and saying, you know, at least I'm not the, the tax collector over there. So it needs to start from love. Because all of those other things are damaging to wise love. So I'm excited for the future. You guys excited for the future? Excited for what God has for us. I'm excited for for what God's going to do in me. I'm excited because I I have no idea what's going to come out my mouth sometimes. But I am, I, you know, when it, it says in the word that, um, you know, that outpouring from your lips is coming from your heart. So I hope you're hearing my heart in this, that I want to love our community. I want to love this community as well. Um, but in this, I'm excited to see how that's going to interact, how uh, what God's kind of speaking through me or, or speaking into me, um, how that's going to come out. I'm excited to see how that's going to play out in your lives, how, how our worship will shift and grow and change. David's doing a great job. The team is doing a great job. And I think we're just going to keep continuing and keep stepping this out. Now, there may be a point where we can sit and say, this is what our vision is, and get excited and rally behind that. But I think for right now, our, our vision for the time being is to love one another, to love our God, and look for ways that we can love our community. We can love our family, love our neighbors, and somehow find those practical ways that we can take care of practical needs so that spiritual things can happen in their lives. Amen? Well, I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward, and I just want to um, before we do this last song and, and close out, I just I want to pray as your pastor, as the church together. 
I want to pray for our future. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for what you are speaking into us um, through your word, through relationship, through uh, the Holy Spirit pouring into us. And God, I just ask that you would continue to do that, um, to do that more and more, that, that our love, like the Philippian church, would abound more and more in discernment and wisdom, that we would be able to see ways that we can love um, others practically, um, see ways to love our community um, in practical ways that impact their spiritual lives, that impact this community's future. God, that there would be a, a, a stirring in people even outside of these circles, that they would be feeling the stirring to come and be a part of this fellowship because it's a fellowship you want them to be a part of. We praise you, Father God, for today. We pray that you would, um, again, go before us, open our eyes, open our hearts, uh, that we might hear from you and where we should go. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.